will be in the book of 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings 12, man, so uh, like they've already said, man, God really blessed this week and so thankful for everything that God did and uh, watched over us like Preston was saying. The, we had these two giant uh, bounce, inflatable bounce houses and we tripped the uh, circuit breaker and of course as fast as those things blow up, they started to come down and we had some kids in one, but we got them out uh, and then uh, fixed the kind of uh, put them on different uh, sockets out there and then the fun started right back up again. So, uh, but so thankful for everyone that worked really hard uh, to make last week a success. God really blessed it. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of times when we do things for the Lord like that, we may not see uh, results immediately, you know, and that can be frustrating sometimes, but you know, just like mom was saying, there were people that worked hard that many years ago to put that church camp on. There were people that worked hard to do different things in your life that they may have no idea that that had a lasting effect. That's why it's so important to just serve God each and every day. I believe when we get to heaven, we will see all the effects of what God has been able to do through yeah. us. And I think it will astound us, really. You're thinking, I, you did that through me, all the, the mistakes and failures and everything else. And, and we'll just give all praise to God. But 1 Kings chapter 12, uh, near the end of the chapter, uh, we're in the Old Testament. And I want to read uh, just a small passage here uh, about the, uh, the northern kingdom uh, and we'll talk about it. So 1 Kings twelve twenty six, And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice, even uh, in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, said unto the people, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord. We thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to preach, Lord. But not only that, help our minds, open up our ears and our minds to what your word has for us today. Lord, I don't know every situation, but you do. And Lord, I pray that whatever the need is today, whether it's salvation, direction, Lord, encouragement, or a challenge, Lord, I pray that you would do all these things and more today. And we're praying in Jesus' name, and amen. So the first few kings uh, that were in Israel, the first uh, several of them, they ruled over a united kingdom. So uh, in the beginning, you remember King Saul, he's the first one. He ruled over all of it. He ruled over both uh, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Uh, and then after him, uh, his son Ish Ishbosheth, I say that's hard one to say. Uh, they were split for a little bit, him and David. Uh, but then David had the United Kingdom. David's son Solomon had the United Kingdom. Uh, but then we get to the previous chapter, First Kings chapter eleven, and now Solomon dies. And his son Rehoboam takes the throne. And again, he's got the United Kingdom. But we see this story there in chapter 11. Uh, he decides what is the tribute, what are they going to charge 
the northern kingdom uh, for being their tribute. So uh, he goes to the older counselors that were serving under Solomon, and they say, you know, just uh, uh, make it easy, uh, continue to uh, make it an easy tribute for them, and they'll serve you forever. And then on the flip side, he goes to the young counselors and asks them, yeah. what should you do? And he says, make it harder, you know, and he says, uh, you know, my father used whips and we're going to use scorpions. You know, we're going to make uh, life very difficult for you. And all that did was cause them to revolt. So that's what you see. <clears throat> you see that into chapter 12, uh, that story. Uh, and they, so then the kingdom splits. Now we've got on the northern side, we've got Jeroboam and that's who we're going to talk about. So it's also called Israel. So I know we think of Israel as the whole thing, but Israel, when it's split, is the northern part. Judah is the southern part. So there, there's King Rehoboam in Judah, King Jeroboam up in Israel. So hopefully I keep the name straight, but uh, that's what's going on. So Jeroboam is setting up his kingdom now. He's the first king of Israel, the split kingdom. So he had just built his own uh, um he uh, he built his own uh, place, his own capital in Shechem, and now he's uh, he is uh, getting things set up. Now, one promise I want to read for you for the previous chapter. Before all this happened, a prophet of God came to Jeroboam and told him he would be king, and made this promise: First Kings eleven thirty eight. And it shall be if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and walk in my ways, and do that which is uh, right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David. David, my servant, did that I will be with thee and I will build thee a sure house as I built for David and I will give Israel unto thee. So this was the promise of God. God told Jeroboam, I'm going to give you the northern part. I'm going to give you those 10 tribes. You're going to be king. And if you will listen to me, if you'll obey my commands, if you'll walk in my ways, if you'll live righteously, then I will be with you and I'll set up a kingdom that's forever. That's a powerful promise that he was made. That, that's powerful. That's something. And now he's starting to see it fulfilled as he becomes king. But like I said, right after he builds the capital city in Shechem, he's got a problem. Verse 26, uh, and Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return unto the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of all this people turn again to their Lord, even unto Rehoboam. So here's what he's worried about. He's saying, hey, I'm the king of the north, but they have to go to the south in Jerusalem to worship. Right? That's where the temple was that Solomon built. So three times a year, they had to make a pilgrimage for the feast and go down to Jerusalem to worship God. He's worried. He's saying, if my people go to the southern kingdom to worship, they're going to want to join back with Rehoboam, and they're going to kill me, and I'm going to be gone. That's what he's worried about. That's what he's saying right here. Uh, they shall kill me and go again. And so he's worried about uh, this split kingdom and them going to worship. And, you know, you think about that as a king. That's a rational fear, right? You've got to worry about maybe being overthrown. But wait a second. That's not rational. Didn't God just tell him, I have set you as king in the northern kingdom. And if you will do what I've told you to do, you'll follow my ways. You'll do what I've called you to do. I will establish your throne. So what is he worried about? If he would have trusted the promise that God had just made him. And remember, part of that promise is you will be king. So God's already done that part. And God said, I'll be with you your whole reign. If you'll just follow me. 
And now right off the bat, he's worried. Someone's going to kill me. Someone's going to take my throne. You know, you think about that. Uh, He did not trust God's promise. And that led to this fear that wasn't, it shouldn't even been there, right? It was irrational. He shouldn't have had this fear. There's no way his people would overthrow him by going down to Jerusalem to worship. But here's where I stop and say, you know what? This happens to us a lot. We have a lot of fears that wouldn't be real fears if we just trusted what God said to us, right? If we would just trust God, uh, then we would realize that these things aren't a problem. You know, a lot of times this world, I'll give you a good for instance. Everyone's worried about global warming. This world is going to end, right? We're going to destroy it ourselves. No, no, no. That's not a, for a Christian person that believes the Bible, that's not a real fear. And you're thinking, Mike, are you a denier? Do you not believe in science? Oh, I've taken plenty of science classes. I love science. But I'll tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says the Lord is has reserved this earth for fire, and he will destroy it. Yeah, that's right. We're not going to. There's no way we can destroy this earth. So that fear is unfounded. You're thinking, how much time and energy and countless amount of money are they trying to do to save this world when God said, I'm the one that's keeping it until I destroy it with fire? Mm. How many fears in your own life? Do you have? Because you won't just take God at his word and trust him. And this is this was his problem. So he comes up with a solution for this made up problem. Verse 28, whereupon the king took counsel. So now he's going to his leadership. I'm going to ask the people around me, what should I do to solve this problem? Because I don't want my our people going to worship God in Jerusalem. He doesn't consult a prophet. He doesn't go to God. He doesn't do any of those things. He doesn't go to the scriptures or anything else. He just asks around, what should we do? What do you think is a good idea? And none of those uh, that counseled him questioned his idea because he's going to come up with this idea to make two calves of gold. And none of them stop him. Uh, None of them remind him, hey, God promised you this kingdom. You know, why are you even worried? None of them uh, stopped him or anything. They just went along with the idea sounds good to us right a wicked solution to this problem that he created in his head you know what i say that's why it is so important as christians to have other christians in our lives right you have got to have people that are uh, more mature in christ than you that you can go to when you bring something up and you have an idea you have a plan in your life you can go to them and you have to be willing with that person to accept it if they say That's not the right thing. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard when you're all excited about something and the emotions are going and everything else and you've got this plan and you go to somebody and they're like, now wait a second, where's God in this plan? But you know what the easy thing is to do instead of, uh, if I know, if I go to Mike, he's going to question that and he's going to ask about God. I'll just go to somebody else, right? Somebody else that will say, man, that's a great idea. If that makes you happy, you go ahead and do it. That's exactly what his counselors were doing. Lead them right into ruin. Sometimes we have to have those hard conversations. And you know what? This world will tell you, do what you want to do. Right? They will say, you be you. Whatever makes you happy. You live your best life. You follow your dreams. And I'm here to tell you, you do all that stuff. If it's against God and against his will and against his word, it will not work. You'll pay the price. You might as well just get the hard news at the beginning and save yourself down the road. Because the sin and the consequences will always be worse. 
So he's taken counsel and he made, verse 28, two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So here's the thing. He's made two calves of gold, two statues uh, that they are to worship. And this should sound familiar, doesn't it? When you're hearing this, you're saying, wait a second, a calf of gold. I know I've heard that before. Back when God freed his people from the bondage of Egypt, remember Moses is up on Mount Sinai. God is giving him the Ten Commandments and other instructions and at the base of the mountain, the people are getting worried. They're getting restless. We haven't seen Moses in a while. And they tell Aaron, uh, they say, make us gods which will go before us. And then Aaron says, break off your earrings. Uh, they, they melt down the gold. And what do they do? They turned it into a golden calf, Right? And you know what they proclaimed back in Exodus 32, 4? These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. They said almost the exact same thing. 517 years later, they're trying to do the same thing and expect God. God was furious the first time. God's going to be furious this time. right. Right? He does not change. It was wrong then. And it's still wrong here. And this is why I say over and over again, and I'm, you may, may sound like a broken record, you have got to get into this Bible yourself Bless you, every day. Amen. Read it, study it, get in it. You're thinking, Mike, but I, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, it doesn't matter, you've got to get in this. Why? Because I could stand up here and teach you something, preach you something that's wrong, and if you're not in this Bible, you'd never know it. That's right? Right? You'd have no clue whatsoever. And here's the thing. They have decided this and somebody hearing this plan should have said, wait a minute. We've already tried this before. It didn't work. God was furious at it. And we had to get rid of the calf. Right? But nobody did. Nobody did. Everyone was fine. And I think part of the problem in 2 Chronicles eleven fourteen, that's the parallel passage, says Jeroboam and his sons cast out the Levites from executing the priest's office. So they returned to Judah and Jeroboam ordained his own priests for the high places and for the devils and for the calves which he had made. So we found out that all the ones that should have been priests, Jeroboam kicked out of there and he put his own in. See, you start to see the problem. We're, we're not going to go. We're not going to ask the prophet what to do. We're not going to consult the scriptures. We're going to get rid of every uh, man of God at the time that knows the truth. And we're going to put people in their place. And we're going to build our own system of worship. This is what he's doing right here. You see the problem? Very quickly. 29. He sits one in Bethel, one in Dan. Dan is the northernmost part of the northern kingdom. Almost at the border. Bethel is at the bottom right near the border of Judah, right? So he's got two of these calves, one at the top, one at the bottom of his kingdom. And here's the thing. Remember I said three times a year, Jews had to go to Jerusalem for a feast. And and they had to spend usually seven days there. Well, if you lived at the northern part of the northern kingdom, it would have taken you about four days, one way to get to Jerusalem. That's a long way, right? Right? And on the way there, you're bringing your sacrifice, right? That animal that you're going to bring to sacrifice, a lot of times you're bringing it with you. That's a long journey. That's hard work. It was hard to worship God. Do you see this? And you know what he's saying? Oh, that's too much. 
That's too much for you to go all the way to Jerusalem. Instead, well, and here's the other thing I almost forgot. You notice the Bible says, um, he said it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. You're thinking, well, wait a second, Mike, that's got to be a typo, right? They're always going south, right? They're in the southern kingdom. Jerusalem is. If you're going from the north to the south, we would say, aren't you going down? No, it's uphill. They're going south, but they're going uphill. Jerusalem's 3,000 feet up. So not only is it a four-day journey, once you get near the end, you're going uphill all the way to Jerusalem. It's hard. It's a hard journey. And they're saying, here, I, here, we'll make it easier. You only have to go to Dan. So if you're in the north already, Dan is close to you. And if you're down, if you would have been going down to Jerusalem, you probably would have passed through Bethel anyway. So he's saying, hey, I'm cutting off all kinds of days of your travel. It is much easier for you to worship God. But guess what? God never, never guaranteed that worship would be easy. In fact, it's supposed to be a sacrifice. We've lost that, haven't we? We've, we've lost that here. But I'm telling you, uh, God would have blessed them for every time that they followed his will and did that. So he's got two convenient locations now, right? We can worship God in Dan and Bethel much easier. Uh, the journeys are cut in half, maybe even shorter than that. So everything sounds great till we get to verse 30. And this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship, one before the one even unto Dan. As soon as he built these places, as soon as he put the, the golden calves in there, the people came and said, this thing has became a sin. See, it was a sin when they came up with the idea. It was a sin when Jeroboam said, build it. But the worst sin was for the people that said, okay, we're going. Yeah, this is where we're going to go. You see what's starting to happen? We got this problem. Here's the greater sin. Let me go back to the, in, in, in uh, Vacation Bible School, we were talking about Moses and the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read the first three verses. Exodus 20, verse 2 says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before yeah. me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water that is under the earth. God said, I brought you out of Egypt. That calf didn't bring you out of Egypt. Nothing else. You didn't bring yourself out of Egypt. I brought you out and said, by the way, I don't want you making anything that you think looks like me. And especially if it's not something that's on the earth like a cow. He's already told them in, in these uh, first commandments not to do what they did. And God not only gave them the Ten Commandments, but if you look in the second half of Exodus and in the book of Leviticus and then parts of Numbers and parts of Deuteronomy, God spends chapter after chapter of the Bible. He, he tells them all kinds of things. Here's how you build the temple. Here's what you put in it. Uh, here's who can be a priest and who can't. Uh, here's what the priests wear. Here's what the priests do. Here's what a sacrifice needs to look like. Here's how you treat one another. Uh, here's what you do for the poor. Here's how you uh, offer a burnt offering. Uh, here is how uh, uh, these are the things that are sinful and these are the things that I want you to do, especially on the Sabbath day and what not to do. He tells them specifically chapter after chapter. God says here is how I want you to worship me. Amen. And he told them, he said, you're only going to Jerusalem. That's it. No other place. 
And he said uh, where to go. He said what sacrifices to bring. He said who could be a priest. Uh, he said when the feasts are. And, and I didn't read, but further on the passage, he changed one of the feasts to a different month. Uh, everything to make it more convenient. So you stop and think about it. Jeroboam has taken everything that God's told him to do about worship, and he's changed it. So you think, well, how does this apply to us today, Mike? We don't have a king. We're not Israelites. We don't live in the northern kingdom. We're not Jews. How does this apply to us? I think we have a similar problem today than what they did. What is that? We want to do things for God based on convenience. Right? That is the whole reason they did all of this. Yeah, he said he was worried about being overthrown. But the biggest reason, he said, is to make it easier for us. And you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, and I hate to say this when we have visitors, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I try to preach the truth as best I can. When you are looking for a church home, there are things you need to be looking for when you go to find a church, right? There are some things. Now, here's the problem. The number one priority should be, what do they teach and they preach? Because if they're not teaching and preaching the Bible and the whole Bible, the parts you like and the parts you don't like, You need to mark that off the list. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how good the music sounds. I don't care what programs they have. You don't belong there. They will lead you to destruction. It will not be good for you or your family. I'm just telling you the truth. Because I care more about you than you staying here. Right? I want you to hear the truth. And I try my hardest to preach the truth to you. And here's the thing. I tell you where I'm at. I tell you where I'm going. And if you miss things, you can listen to the recording later. And I challenge you to read this and see if what I'm telling you is the truth. Because I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm just trying to preach God's word. But you know what a lot of times people say? I want to find a church that's close to my home. Right? I want to find a church that sounds good. I want to find a church that, that looks good and all these different things. And I'm not saying all these are bad. But do you see the priorities are out of whack? And that's the same thing for them. The worship was more convenient, even though it was totally against what God wanted. And there are places closer to your house that look good, that sound good, that are not doing what God said. And that's the truth. I'm afraid. I'm afraid today. There's nothing wrong with programs. There's nothing wrong with ministries. You have to have different things in a church. We have a lot of children, so we've got things that we've got to do with our kids, and it blesses us, and it's a great thing. But another problem I see is people want to go to a church that already has everything in place. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. How are you going to serve in a church that has everything already? Yeah. Because you need to church. You need to serve God as well. You do. You know, once you realize they preach the right thing and teach the right thing, the next priority is, can I serve the Lord in that church? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's getting quiet. That's all right. Because it's the truth. We are saved Christians to serve God. It goes together. In fact, uh, I've been working on memorizing Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Right? Do you see that? 
Right? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people in the sheep of his pasture. And I got to cheat, sorry. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth uh, to all generations. Do you see? He talks about making a joyful noise, coming before his presence with singing. And right in the middle, he says, serve the Lord with gladness. Guess what? You can't worship God without serving God. He's put them together. You can't pull it apart. You can't. So here's the thing. He's saying, hey, what are you you worshiping anyway? Where are you going anyway? Are you going where the truth is? Are you going where you can serve? Are you going where you can just plant yourself and grow? Or are you going with what's convenient? You realize God said he's a spirit. And if you want to worship him, you've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. There's no falseness. But here's the thing. God started the New Testament church, right? He planted the church. He founded the church. He's the head of the church. He's interceding for the church. And guess what? There's only one way into the church. And you're thinking, how is that, Mike? Do I need to take a membership class? Uh, do I need to sign up? Do I need to uh, affirm something or, or whatever? No, you want to know how you enter into the church is that you realize that you're a sinner, right? If you've never done that, at some point you've got to admit that you're a sinner because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then after hearing about Jesus Christ, what did he do? Number one, he came to save sinners. That, that was his mission. He lived a sinless life, which we couldn't. He he came and he was he died on a cross for our sins. He bled and died for our sins. He took the punishment of sin. And then he was buried and he rose on the third day victoriously over sin rose from the dead and then uh, now if you believe that you admit that you're a sinner you can call on Jesus's name and ask him to forgive you of your sins mom said it was 40 some years ago for me it is we are really close to it being 30 years ago that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ as a nine-year-old boy I grew up in church I knew how to sing the hymns I went to vacation Bible school I did all those things but I realized one night on the way home from Sunday night church that I was a sinner I realized that I was headed to hell if I didn't ask Jesus into my heart but the greatest thing is they had told me about Jesus over and over again and as soon as we got home in that living room I prayed I don't remember exactly what I said it wasn't a long elaborate prayer but I asked Jesus to save my soul and he did that day I'm here to tell you I have not been perfect far from it I'm nowhere near perfect but here's the thing I serve a perfect God he took away the sins off my account and he took his righteousness and put it in its place and guess what he is working on me each and every day you know how he works on me more when I just give it over to him you know what happens is when I'm reading his word or I'm listening to Bible teaching or preaching myself and I hear something and I say ooh ooh, I don't know about that maybe you've heard that today ooh you know what that is that's the Lord pointing something out And you know what? He's not just pointing it out to show you that uh, you're bad or you're wrong. He's pointing it out saying, hey, you want to take another step closer to me? Let's deal with this right now. Right? You know, you do that and he will do that all your life. And then you can look back over years and say, you know what? The things that used to come out of my mouth, they're not perfect now, but it's better now. 
the anger I used to have, the lies I used to tell, right? This love for the world that I used to have, these things are slowly being replaced and being fixed and God is working on me. If you can see that in your life, praise God. He's working on you. And that's what this place needs to be. A place where people hear the truth, no matter if they like it or not. And a place where people can serve God, right? Where he's called them and where he's placed them in a place where we can grow and grace and knowledge in Jesus yeah. Christ. Amen. That is what the church is for. Right? Not just to come in and hear good music. Right, right. Not just to come in and, and fellowship and everything else. We do those things. They're good. We're here to worship Jesus Amen. Christ. Yeah. And we're going to do it the right way. The biblical way. Amen. Are we perfect? Far from it. And if you join us at some point... You'll see more flaws the longer you stay around. And we'll see your flaws too. But that's okay. He'll give us more grace. Yeah. And we grow closer together. Because we got one purpose. What's that? To promote the name of Jesus. Amen. This lost world needs it. Remember what I said? What's their counsel today? Do what makes you feel good. That leads to destruction. It leads to death. Right? You're thinking, Mike, that's pretty harsh. How many of them commit suicide day after day? Even ones that have reached the pinnacle of success. Why? Because this world, that's where it leads to, to death. But Jesus Christ has eternal life. If you don't know him today, you can. If you're not serving him today, you can. I'll give you a little secret about this church. We can use your help. Right? We can use your help in every different way. And then I'll tell you something else. We're a family here, Amen. right? We uplift one another. We, you're going through a hard time. I'm glad that I've been through hard times. I'm glad there's been others to lift me up. Pray for me. Help me through. That sounds like something you like. Then welcome. And if not, then if you have to go down the road, that's okay. But I'm here to tell you, let this lead your life. Yeah. Nothing else. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.